delighted to welcome to the show today Dr. Jess Newman. A new report commissioned by LV General Insurance has revealed that as many as 25,000 plus new homes are set to be built in areas that are already highly urbanised or where more than 1% of homes are already at risk of flooding. LV has joined forces with interior designer Gabby Blackman and Dr. Jess Newman to design a floodproof home of the future. Let's find out what that home may look like. Hello, welcome to the show today. You're on Let's Talk Property. The fickleness of British weather. <laughs> I think we're all accustomed to it, aren't we? But it doesn't help that we've had so much rainfall even this month. And this is on the back of the Climate Change Conference, COP27 having been held. 25,000 new houses are set to increase flash flood risk to existing homes. How does that make you feel? Well, it's quite frankly scary, scary as someone like me who's a hydrologist and works in flooding, but also, um, that, as you say, we're seeing more and more people being affected by flooding. And, you know, we have 74% of homeowners are worried about flooding with over a quarter of them worried that this winter they might be flooded. And this is information that's come out um, of a report commissioned by LV Insurance and independent think tank Localis, who I've been working with. And, you know, this isn't something that just affects us as individuals, but is actually a massive problem uh, across the UK and globally. Well, here in Sussex, we have our own floodplain areas that have been quite devastated this month as well. And of course, with the pressure to build more homes, not only in the South, but um, nationally, this is something that we really have to look at very, very seriously. And of course, we have to uh, insure our homes against all sorts of things. And I'm sure several years ago, we weren't thinking about flooding in our country. So how do we go about deciding where to make these homes and what these homes should look like? I mean, what we're looking like is floating your boat, isn't it? Or floating your houseboat. Uh, that's certainly one of the uh, one of the sort of ideas we put forward on the floodproof home for the future, um, which was designed by myself and interior designer Gabby Blackman. Um, but yes, it's just it's just one of the measures in terms of where we do this. It needs to be. It's quite a complex problem. As you say, we've got increasing demand for housing and a lot of this the southeast area you know, we've got quite large floodplains and we see those flood, but also surface water flooding that can happen pretty much anywhere. It's not just floodplains and it does take people by surprise, but there are steps we can take. And this is where Gabby and I have kind of thought forward to the future about, yeah, some of the perhaps easier to implement measures that can go into a home to help protect people, but also perhaps some of those more extreme measures like, you know, um, automatically raising flood defences that keep people's property safe and, and the buoyant foundations, as you've just mentioned, that literally help houses act like a boat. So when water comes in, the house raises up and protects you and your belongings. I suppose in a sense, we've got two issues here. We've got town settlements where perhaps new homes are going further out from the town. And then we've got brownfield sites where houses are being built, where the drainage system might have been put in in Victorian times, which can't actually cope. Although I understand that a lot of the Victorian drainage is still very, very good. So where do we start on that front? Do we look at the current drainage and go, well, 
No, it's definitely not going to take another nine homes or perhaps it will. Or what do we have to do to make that drainage take all the extra water away? So there is sort of, as I said, it's a a, a complex picture as you've picked up on Um, that quite Victorian antiquated drainage system that a lot of us are familiar with is part of the problem. And it was never really designed to deal with heavy rainfall events like what we're seeing currently with climate change. And so there's, there's sort of two ways of doing this. The first way is at the site or property level is trying to hold water back from that drainage system for longer. And that's where things like our U-shaped roof came into play or perhaps our underground storage network for water. That means that we're not just piling it straight off and running off the surfaces into, into that drainage system. And at the other end, this water has to go somewhere. It goes to wastewater treatment works, for example. And the capacity of those sites needs to be looked at to see whether it's suitable to be building more houses in these areas. Because at the end of the day, if that end point can't cope with it, then that development, something has to change. That development should not be allowed to go ahead just blindly without without that structure in place. No, and of course, what will happen is there will be a lot more consultation about these things, which may delay the building of houses. But what we don't want is people moving in and then having to go all through the distress, the damage of their property and devastation of the months and years that follow on from there if their house is suddenly flooded. So I'm <laughs> I'm really curious to know what are the features of this house that you've helped design? So we've got a range of different features that both myself and and, and Gabby, who I mentioned, Mm -hmm. designed. Um, We've got at the very much structural engineered level, we've got things like buoyant foundations that allow the house to float up like a boat um, if water, if flood barriers are compromised or if water gets in under underneath. We've put in things like a rooftop garden. So we hear quite a lot with um, ecosystems and climate change, the, the ability of uh, plants to absorb water. And actually, why why aren't we using them more in our engineering of houses and our building of houses to help keep water stored rather than it just running off our you know hard roofs or our uh, hard ground and that sort of thing and then we've got some like things that perhaps are more interior focused and that can be things like having your plug sockets raised so at the moment i'm just looking in my house right now the plug sockets are at ground level if water comes in they're going to get into those plug sockets potentially but raising them up so they're sort of up higher on the wall just protects your electricity supply and makes your house safer if you are flooded. We've got the idea of automatic raising flood defences where we've got sensors that sit in the garden and detect water as it comes. It's very, very stressful for people who live at a constant risk of flooding to have to be alert to this themselves, you know, to having something automated, I think would be a really good way forward. No, I absolutely agree. And I love the idea of raising the plug sockets because also it will save your back, won't it, bending down to plug those vacuum cleaners. (laughs) It certainly will. (laughs) Has anybody done any sort of cost-benefit analysis to this? I mean, how much is it likely to increase the cost of building a home to implement these? They sound like great ideas, by the way. Thank you. Um, The cost-benefit analysis at the moment, so we're not putting these forward as these are the solutions to flooding. At the moment, it was very much a an overview of potential ideas that we could take going forward. So as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been 
taken any further in terms of cost-benefit analysis. But obviously, some are going to be more expensive and some are things you can almost retrofit now. I mean, these some of these are not new ideas. They are things that we can do now, such as changing the materials we're using in raising plug sockets. That that can be done already. And also you mentioned um, initially about the effect on insurance claims, etc. So I suppose it's a little bit like if you've got a burglar alarm on your property, generally you'll get a little bit less um, as a premium to pay. Is it likely that insurers will um, request less cover if homes of the future have all these wonderful features? I would personally hope so, that yes, if you've taken the measures to protect yourself and your your property and that is going to lower your risk if you are flooded then hopefully that would have uh, a financial benefit to people who have done that and I think that is certainly something that insurance companies will need to think on and you know this this report was commissioned by LV because they they want to raise awareness of this issue and they want to call for change and make recommendations going forward so I think that's an important area for them to look at. Oh absolutely now when you do if you made all these changes to a property to counter the effects of flooding the UK weather being as it is if we suddenly got a really hot summer or we suddenly had snow again in the winters, would this new home be able to cope with those differences in temperature and, you know, freak uh, weather conditions as well? So that was absolutely something that I wanted to embed in the design was that we're not just talking about flooding here. We are also facing situations like in the summer where we've had drought. Um, So things like the rooftop garden, for example, don't just have benefits in terms of flooding, they do benefit flooding and the ability to hold water. But at an ecosystem, we call it ecosystem services, this sort of healthy environment sort of level, having plants rather than a tiled roof is going to have benefits in terms of when we have drought or if we have other type of extreme rainfall events. Um, So it, it benefits biodiversity, it benefits wildlife. So yes, I don't foresee that any of the things we've proposed here will be in any way detrimental with other types of weather and in fact should help. So if you can store water on your U-shaped roof when it rains heavily, if you then get dry weather, you can then reuse that water, say, on your garden. Um, So that's what I've tried to build in here. Do you think the British public take it really seriously that we are going to get more flooding? And do you also think that maybe southern England could start looking like Venice with all the canals? <laughs> it could start looking like places on the Gold Coast in Australia with all the little sort of canals and rivers. Is that something that, as I say, the British public have actually come to terms with? Uh A mixture, I think. I think there's definitely increased awareness when we speak with people from a research perspective, that people are much more aware of climate change. You you only have to see how often flooding is in the media for people to realise that this is an increasing issue that's affecting more and more people. Um, I mean, whether we will see things like, you know, canals and things like we have in in Venice, um, I think it will probably be not quite as direct as that. But I think people are certainly aware that flooding it's not an issue that's going to go away. It's going to get worse. It's going to become more serious. And unfortunately, more and more people are being flooded. And it's 
those people that are then carrying forward that momentum, which is we need to do something about it because it is utterly terrifying for people to be flooded and it has massive impacts in terms of well-being and it's it's really awful and, and so we need to do something now to protect ourselves better for the future. And also there is um, an onus on developers and councils as to where they should be giving more direct information about if a home is built on a floodplain or if it's close to a river and where the water runs off mountains and do you think enough of that is carried out at the moment it varies in different places and the thing with flooding particularly is awareness and also you know financial support tends to follow after a flood event has happened and so what we would ideally like to see is more joined up working and stronger communication between all the different partners that are involved in preparing for flooding. And that's down at individual community level, where you have like community groups who have a very good understanding of their local flood risk. The local flood authorities, they need to be communicating with local communities. And also at governmental level, we need everybody to be working together and collaborating to really understand flood risk and build in resilience uh, across these areas. So really, it's not beyond the boundaries of our sort of future plans to look at, as you said, a home that rises like a boat, so houseboats, but also potentially homes on stilts. Absolutely. Um, And homes on stilt will be potentially very important for places that are perhaps at risk of regular flooding. So like things like river flooding that you could experience perhaps every couple of years. Um, Surface water flooding is slightly different in that it's a bit more hit and miss as to where it happens and it's not as easy to predict. So that's why we didn't necessarily say houses should be built on stilts for surface water flooding because we don't know exactly where that's always going to happen. But consistently flooded areas, absolutely, stilts is also a possible option. (laughs) Oh, Jess, it's been fascinating talking to you. I would like to delve a bit deeper. And so all the best with your designs and consultations coming forward. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to my guest today, Dr. Jess Newman.